Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of Remaster Podcast, hosted by me, Abdullah Freeman, sponsored by Muslim American Society, also known as Mass. Today, we're joined with a very esteemed guest, and we're going to be talking more about the sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Without further further ado, let me introduce our guest, Imam Fuad. Imam Fuad, assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the wa podcast. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, you have a... So Fire voice for podcast. <laughs> Just like Allah. Just to give uh, Imam Fawad a quick background so you guys know about him. Imam Fawad is a resident scholar with Mass Bay Area. He also offers classes across the Bay Area Masjids virtually. So ch- please check out some of his programs at Um Imam, thank you for joining us today so we can talk about our beloved, you know, wonderful edition today. Alhamdulillah, it's an honor to be here. Jazakallah khair for having me. So I see you're based out of the Bay. Are you based on the Oakland side or in the San Fran side? Uh, neither. Down down oh, South Bay in uh, Santa Clara. Oh, okay. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. Like uh, 40 minutes from Oakland, 40 minutes from SF. Okay. We're taking traffic. So Alhamdulillah. The Bay is the biggest scam in all of California. I went to the Bay in September thinking I was going to be sunshine and beaches, and it was freezing cold when I got there. Especially if you go to San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah. That's the real scam over there. You know, you know what they say, man. Rent's so expensive, the sun couldn't afford to live there. So it's, uh, it's, down, it's down here. You know, but mashallah. But, you know, Imam, um, you know, we're talking about the Sunnah, and we talk about the Sunnah in context of, like, the modern day and like the times we live in, you know, and just briefly before we go into talking about now, can you briefly describe the time period in which what was going on during the time of the prophet before he was born and after you can say he died a little bit, just briefly some things that were happening in the world, like holistically. Man. So, um, you know, when we look back at the life of the prophet, like things that happened before he came, Sometimes we have this idea of it being this perfect society that he came to, not realizing like he came what like as he describes in an authentic hadith, he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at creation and he hated everyone. He hated the condition that it was in, except for a few people from the previous religion that that you know they were able to keep you know their deen. For everybody else, these were the most hated people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's at this time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa So you could think of like almost every evil you could think of, they had it at that time, right? And then the oh, biggest okay. evil of all, this was a time where even the Christians, this is time complete of shirk, right? This is 500, like 560, 570 years after, you know, Isa alayhi salam. So the world is like everywhere, not just in Mecca, not just in Medina at the time, Yathrib, but in the Roman Empire, in the Persian, wherever you looked, it was just a time of complete corruption. And the Prophet ﷺ, he is coming to correct like this, really this this time of, of, of complete evil. Very few khayr is found like in the time before the Prophet ﷺ. So this is like like just just to kind of set up where he comes to. a Any any type of sin that you can think of. And if you really think about it, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us different sins that 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 previous nations used to do and one of the ways that we are supposed to be looking at the quran it is that we see that okay for example allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the people of shu'aib and that they used to play with the scales when they would sell to people 
this story really wouldn't make sense unless the people during the time of the Prophet ﷺ were also doing the same thing, right? As a warning, like, hey, listen, there were people before you that came. They did these things, and this happened to them. So be careful of that. So you could think of the Quran is coming with all of these stories of the previous nations. It only makes sense if, if it's like is being used as a threat to tell you you need to stop what you're doing. So you could just look in the Quran and see what sins does the Quran talk about. It was taking place when the Prophet sallallahu like like before the Prophet sallallahu came. So he's coming with this message of we need to relax. We need to go back to a better time. We need to go back to a better way. We need to go and, and like his da'wah in the beginning was that of let us return back to Ibrahim alayhi salam the way that he was Ismail alayhi salam how he was in this you know in this land and so on, right? So this is like we could if we if we want to. We could just say this is possibly up to that point the worst time for humanity. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to send the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was going to take humanity out of this darkness. Right? And that's why there's always this like in the Quran, you look at it as the Messenger came to deliver the people from darkness into light. So many types of darknesses that were there. So this is where he comes, right? At a time of full corruption. SubhanAllah. Like just to think that one man was able to influence so much change, you know, in the society, in the world, because just talking about, just the little example you gave with the scales is just one portion of so many things. And it's just like, SubhanAllah, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really wouldn't mention those things unless, hey, you may not know where it's happening, but in the society, it's happening there, you know? It's happening. It, it has to. Otherwise, it's like, okay, why are you telling me stories, right? Mm. Like, what is it? What is it? What do I get from this? It's like, uh-oh, there's a... They did this, this is what happened. Avoid that happening to you, right? And how, like, what was like the first time the Prophet ﷺ tried to call the people? He told them, Hey, there's a punishment that is coming because of the sins that you are doing. Follow me to be saved from it, right? So, this, like, this idea of it being, you know, a good time where everyone was better. No, this was a time of just corruption, of complete darkness. People didn't know left and right, people didn't know right and wrong. Up and down. All of this was confused to the people. Then the Prophet ﷺ comes to buy him in the beginning, right? By himself and a few companions. And then they were able to do what they were able to do, really, in, in, in how they changed the entire world. You know, one of the, um, like, like when we say one person, right? This is the Prophet. ﷺ, and obviously, there's a difference between us. And the Prophet is the most perfect human being, the one that is able to do the things that we aspire to do. But if you look at like what he did to the companions, and he would send like one of them to a place, and they would go to a place and they would do the exact same thing. Like you will see this change. We know that the first person he sent to Medina was Mus'ab ibn Umayr. Before, like he goes, Mus'ab ibn Umayr, when he leaves Medina, when he leaves Mecca, we're thinking maybe there's like a hundred Muslims. More than half of them are in Ardul Habasha. They've already made Hijrah to Abyssinia. So there's like really maybe 40, 30 of them that are in Mecca. Musa bin Umayr leaves them and he goes to Medina. What does he do before the Prophet ﷺ comes? 2,000 people are believers. Did they have the same issues? Did they have the same issues that Mecca? The whole world had these issues, right? So it was like, it wasn't just the Prophet ﷺ, but those that followed in his way, they were able to accomplish the things that the Prophet ﷺ accomplished in changing entire societies. And you know... You 
like just the example you gave, right? Like the problems were everywhere. Medina had its series of issues as well that was also there. So you know, it makes me think like the the ayat that were revealed in Medina were those also issues specific to that area and across the land as well. Also, you know, like some of the things that were happening, you know. So 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 the difference really in Medina, it's it, it becomes more like there's a shift in the way that the Quran addresses the people of Mecca and the people of Medina. The people of Mecca, it's listen. We need to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and leave our sins. In Medina, it becomes more like, okay, you have done these two things. Now we have to tell you what you have to do. So you have rulings that are just coming down of, you've made this society. How do you make it function? Follow these commands. Pray five times a day. Fast the month of Ramadan. Give your zakat. Go and perform hajj and umrah. And so on. Engage in this and this. And that's what they did. right? So there's now a shift of really, okay, you have to now do this. But that didn't mean that in Medina they became perfect, right? How many verses like in the Quran do you find talking about the time of Medina, like talking negatively about the companions, right? Like this is the other thing, right? Whenever we look at the Quran and we look at the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to us, it's, it's more of like we have the book with us and we think like these reminders are just a reminder to us. In reality, this is describing the condition of the companions. Like some, like whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, He is first addressing the companions. Mm-hmm. Then the believers that are like in general believers, mm-hmm. right? But this one, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, lima taquluna ma la tafa'alun. Oh believers, why do you say things that you do not do? The first thing that needs to come to us is, okay, this is, yes, it's not right for us to say things that we don't do. But who is it talking about? It's talking about the people in Medina, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. So they, even in that society, they had their shortcomings, right? You have, like, you know, so many verse, like any really negative verse that talks about people, we are, like, this is talking about real people in Medina, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And it shows us, you know, their shortcomings, right? So they, even if they had that, like they went to that perfect society, they had like fully the sunnah, this is what we're doing. There were still like, you know, um, some shortcomings that they would have. And you know, from explaining both of that, it, it really puts into perspective the, what you could say, what seems to be the methodology of how the, the, the Quran not only was revealed, but how it was implemented as well, right? You have the first 13 years of just Tawheed, Tawheed, speaking about the oneness of Allah, believing, believing. Finally, it's like, are you guys believe? Okay, you guys have a society of your own. This is where you proceed, which is like a great segue to bring us to modern day now, right? Like, okay, the Sunnah has already been revealed now. We just have to follow it. The Quran is revealed. We just have to follow it, implement it. So please, Imam, describe what modern day life is like in the society we live in, you know? Yeah, Allah, Please describe this time. Khalas, may Allah make it easy. So, one, one, we have good hope in our Lord that they are, we are in a better situation than the world was before the Prophet sallallahu simply because he was sent to us and, and we could see, like, really, the, the believers are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Their degree and quality, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. But we are reaching that time to where corruption is almost everywhere. Like, all you see is wherever, like, you cannot even escape corruption. Everywhere you turn, you're just being exposed to not not just, like, minor sins now, right? This is what you would find in Medina. You'd find, like, minor sins. 
today we're finding that like even amongst the believers, amongst the Muslims, major sins are being committed. Things that they should know are being forgotten and so on. So it's it's like this is the right time for us to think the Prophet ﷺ came at a similar time. The companions came at a similar time in a similar like you know like type of uh, conditions that they were they found themselves in. This is the time that we found ourselves in. So how do we use some of the skills, some of the methodologies that they use, or the way that they were able to you know make these changes? We're almost in that exact time that they were in. How do we actually fix it? What can we take from the Sunnah? What can we take from the Quran to say? These are the ills of the society. Let us fix mm-hmm. it. Because we were sent with the you know the, the solution to the ills of the society. We have those with us in the Quran and in the Sunnah. Now, how do we actually, you know, the implementation of it is it's kind of where uh, where we are at. But alhamdulillah, um, overall, we have good hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are believers that are doing the right thing. Through us, inshallah, change is going to come. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us from us. But similar kind of circumstances when it comes to, you know, just darkness being everywhere. So if we can just compare some of the some of the constructs, right, that hindered, let's say, the, the companions when they first and the people of Medina and Mecca, like in Arabia, just those some of the things that hindered them from accepting the message initially. Right. What were some of the things? And then also, what are some of the things now that hinder us from continuing and practicing, and implementing the, uh, the Sunnah and the message of the Quran as well as also? So let's see. Um, I would say, like, you know, there are certain things that are just human nature that we have inside of us mm-hmm. that prevents you from wanting to see the truth. One of the biggest mm-hmm. things in the time of the Prophet, especially in like the early Meccan times, it was the greed of the people. Mm-hmm. And when I say the people, the greed of the people that were making that, that has something to be greedy with, mm-hmm. right? So the Meccans, the Quraysh, the leaders, their biggest thing really wasn't a rejection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Their biggest thing was like, they knew who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was, mm-hmm. right? We find like when the Prophet went to go and sign the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, they told him, right, uh, Muhammad Rasulullah, they said, no, no, we, we believe you. We be, and like, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? They said, nope, we know Allah. We don't know who ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is. So we'll keep Bismillah there. So they understood Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but their rejection was that you know, if we agree that all of these idols are wrong and we accept one God, nobody's going to be coming to Mecca to come and like we are taking care of their idols. They have to pay us. They have to come and come and spend their money here. They have to do this. So this greed for them, for the power that they had in the peninsula and then for the, the like greed for the wealth that they had. This is also like one of the things that one of the doors that prevented, you know, Iman from entering them or their refusal to. And then in our times, really the same exact thing. Islam today, fastest growing religion. But generally, where do you see like the level of people that are embracing Islam? These are not like the people that have a right to be greedy. Mm-hmm. right? You really see like that the normal person that sees the truth, that wants something better for his life. He's accepting Islam. She's accepting Islam. Uh, the greedy people, uh, they know that if they leave this, there's going to be some loss and so on. right? So they say, no, nope, let me be upon my way. The other thing, it was um, for a, a like a good chunk of the of uh, of the leaders of Quraysh. It was this idea of we are going to be inferior, that mm-hmm. we are going to be inferior to Banu Hashim, Banu Abdul Muttalib, Banu Abdul Manaf. That you know, uh, and this is one of the statements of uh, you know Abu Jahl. He says we've been uh, we've been racing, we've been racing with Abdul Manaf's family. Finally, we have caught up to them, and once we have caught up to them, now they're coming out and saying we have a prophet. 
<laughs> how are we going to cash? Uh, we, like we cannot compete with that, right? Uh, so it wasn't a rejection of like like it wasn't a one of we don't want you, we don't want to follow you. But if we follow you, we are saying that you as a people, and even like to us, to, like these are all the same people. These are Arabs. These are Quraysh. Khalas, you won. What's going on? But to them, like this idea of this family tree of this people cannot be better than us, right? So if they cannot be better than us, we're not going to take it, huh? But I'm, I'm quick. Just I know this is a quick like I'm a history nerd, so I like stuff like this. But don't they share a common ancestor in Abd Manaf? So Abd Manaf. So Abd Manaf comes from mm-hmm. uh, from the, his father, um, uh-huh. Qusay. He is the one that is like Quraysh. Uh, okay, of Quraysh. Okay. Uh, you have Abd Manaf, you have Abd Shams, you have Abd Dar, you have these different branches that the, the, the Quraysh descend from, but like they're distinct in the fact that Abd Manaf, this, these are the people that he had. Uh, you had Abd Dar, you had Abd Shams, like these were the children that he had, these were the people that they come from. So here, like really, it's like four generations down, right? So they're mm-hmm. clinging to that fourth one. In the fifth, they're the same people. In the sixth, they're the same people. In the seventh, <laughs> like they're the same people. But, yo, like number four, we're different here where there's a breakage no no there's no way we're going to be inferior to you we already were like our father Hussein already put us behind by favoring Abdul Manaf finally we've caught up to you now you come and you say we have a prophet right so that, like this idea of we're going to be inferior to you prevented them from embracing Islam then on top of that just you had the people that wanted to keep the status quo we want things to be the way that they are I am comfortable in my life. This, like one of, like one of the commands that they told the Prophet Sallallahu so from the Quraysh, they came, they said, we don't really like the people that are around you. You have the people of no tribes, you have the poor people, you have the slaves. Take them away from you and we're going to believe. Because there's no way us people of nobility are, can be with these people. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to keep that status quo of, you're from Quraysh or you're from this you know, group, you had this high status. Then you had slaves, you had the common folk, you had the people that were not, you know, like did, did not have that nobility. We don't want to mix together, right? And the Prophet ﷺ, this was not something that he could do. Because a society really to function, you can't have this idea of, you know, you're better than me, not because of the things that you've done, but because who your father was, mm-hmm. right? Like their nobility, the only place that it came from was from their fathers. Mm-hmm. You cannot say because of that, I, I deserve to be, you know, closer to you and so on. So uh, that that was like this idea of if we our status will move down if we come sit with these people. So that idea of inferiority complex prevented them from like another door that prevented them from uh, uh, you know from iman. And again, really the same thing, right? The same thing that you find in modern times. Mm. The idea of Islam being a backwards religion, the idea of it being from this exotic place, from far away place. These are not our people. These are not the people of nobility. These are not the people of power. We cannot join them, you know, in their religion. When in reality, like, if Islam was, like, if we take away the 20, 22, 23 years that have happened now, and like all of the, like, the attack that people have put on Islam, and you offered it as a solution to society, this is the best solution that there is. Not just in terms of the relationship between man and God, but between man and man. Like the relationship that they should have. Islam has, you know, the sunnah, the Quran, this is the best way for human beings to live, mm-hmm. right? So, but because of like what society, we, we've made the Muslims inferior. We've made them these exotic people. We cannot be mixed with them, 
right? So mm-hmm. that's another door in our times. That's uh, but these are really, I see, like the two main doors that you know prevent people from uh, our three things: status quo, greed, and then inferiority complex. Uh, and you know, Imam, it's, it's very interesting to see the similarities between then and now. You know, like human beings. We like as much as the technologies that advance, we have iPhones, you have Apple Watches, you have Teslas, whatever, flying cars, whatever they have now, right? Yeah. The way we act, the fitra, the human, the nature of human beings has not changed at all. <laughs> it's still the exact same thing. You Man, know? it's you know, you know, everybody thinks they're unique mm-hmm. until you open social media. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, sometimes like I get sent clips from TikTok, from Instagram, and so on. And it's like, yo, we've all kind of been living the same way. We've all kind of been making the same mistakes. We all kind of like live in this reality together mm-hmm. and we're not so different, mm-hmm. right? Like so, so, like one of my, like the favorite videos I like watching is, you know, discovering new ways of how we were, like the things that we used to do wrong, whether mm-hmm. it's the way that we pour um, things, the way that we open certain things. And it's like, wow, we've all been doing this. And then now here comes somebody telling you this is how you're actually supposed to do it. Right. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know how many people have to like these videos go viral. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'd, things I wish I knew before I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I didn't know like how to properly crack an egg. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you open social media, you really see that we are not that different. Mm-hmm. We are not that unique. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. eight billion of us. We're, more, we're kind of the same. Same kind of habits that we have, right? And this is, again, we're created by a creator. We are all, like the Prophet ﷺ said, from dirt. We will be similar. That's not the only thing that's similar about us. The fact that we're from dirt, the way that just we are also mm-hmm. comes. You know, one beautiful thing I think uh, to add to that, that, you know, you see in the Sunnah, right, in the Sirah of the Prophet wasallam, right, they didn't come from, they came from a very simplistic society, but that's how majority of the world lives. That's how majority of the world. Like I have this concept that all of us around the world, essentially we're all villagers, right? <laughs> it's just maybe some of us, we live in cities, not things of the nature. You learn different ways of things. But essentially we're all just villagers. The way we act, the way we do things, the similarities. Like my mother even like, likes to watch this show of people in Iran, these Muslim sisters, they, and how they do. She's like, oh, this is how we used to do stuff in Africa. We do this stuff like this. And, you know, but the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa with him coming at the time period he did, when it, different companions and different people went to spread the Islam, it was easy because the way they lived in Arabia was similar to how everybody else was living in the world. So it's easy for them to integrate this into their lives, you know. And I, I think even now it's the same. People are mm-hmm. very similar. Again, this is just human nature. This is how we are as human beings. We kind of like, like you know, you could almost think of it like it doesn't matter how far away we move. We're still the same. Like, I I have things that I do that maybe a billion other people do just like me. Mm-hmm. The way that I think, how many times do I have these great ideas only to find out somebody else made a startup and now you become a billionaire because of it, right? Not that you did. I could have thought of these things, right? But again, like, you know, we, we live in, you know, a, like a very privileged society. And mm-hmm. we think, again, like we our minds have been poisoned to think that the rest of the world hasn't caught up. And we are so advanced and we are so different. And we are just this people in America. We are where everyone's eyes are. We're so different. Mm-hmm. Come on. At the end of the day, remove these layers, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. Right? And I think, like, if we want the sunnah to be successful, it's that mindset that we have to have. 
right? That, hey, the world, people are hungry. People have problems. Allah has blessed us with the, with the, you know, the things that we should feed them with, the, the, the solutions to all of their problems. We need to actually ourselves follow the sunnah and then call people towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, Imam, if, in fact, let's, let's play a little game, right? Let's play a game. I like that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to say some statements, and then I want you to say, what would you say to the statement that if someone said this, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, we're talking in, in context of modern day. Let's say you said this, right? And let's say somebody said, you actually believe that stuff? Like, you're, you're way too religious. Like, like, we don't have to actually, you know, you're way too religious. What would you say to somebody who says that? Because, you know, implementing the sunnah, just being doing basic things of Islam in this time period, sometimes you may get labeled as, oh, this guy wants to be a sheikh. Oh, okay, Imam Malik, like, go over here. Or, you know, just basic things. But if someone was to say that, you know, you actually believe that stuff, you're way too religious, what would you say to someone about that when you're trying to encourage them to implement learning the sunnah in this time period? Man, so so the first thing like people have to understand is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this religion, and I'm guessing this is a Muslim that's saying this to me, right? Mm-hmm, 100%. So this is a Muslim that said, one, like, we've already submitted ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've already accepted the fact that he is our creator. And our creator did not leave us in this world misguided. He has sent us guidance. He has sent us the manual for us to follow. Why? If I've already accepted that first point, then I have to accept everything else. The fact that, that he sent me a messenger. Okay, he sent me a messenger. I agree to that. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he was a real person that came and brought Islam. The people followed him and so on. From there, all I have to start thinking now is, okay, you, what did he actually tell us to do? Was there a time where people followed it and they were successful? Yes, they were. Why can I not be successful now? Why can I not? Why did it work for them and it didn't work for me? And if the idea is that, oh, we're in modern times, it's not going to work, this is the beauty of this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send it to a particular place or a particular time only. He sent it for all of mankind for the rest of time. No other prophet is going to come. So because I believed in Allah, I also have to believe that this message, this sunnah that we have like been given, been blessed with, it has to be something that is going to stay forever. And it has to work in every single situation. There has to be a response, a, like there has to be an answer, a solution to the problems that I will face today, the problems that I will face 40 years from now. And because all of this is on the foundation that Allah, my creator, is the one that sent it to me, I have no choice but to actually believe in these things. And my success is actually going to be found in following it. And how could I, not, like especially the time, the modern time that we are living in, people are coming out with the craziest of things. Things that are even crazier than the, like the sunnah that, wow, you two really, pe- people are turning into animals. Yeah. And like, like this is how far they have come. So if you if you want me to believe in that, khalas, then why what like what makes the sunnah so strange, right? You read like look at the modern time. The times are not really that modern now. We it seems like we're going backwards, more backwards than even the times that we thought were backwards. Mm. So that's what I would say. Like really look at look at society. Society needs the sunnah. That's what they need right now. You know what's very interesting. You, you, you kind of hit the next one I was going to get to because if somebody said, okay, this is outdated, it needs to be modernized, what would you say? But I think you answered that like wonderfully, you know, like this was sent. We, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew the Prophet وسلم, would be the last messenger. So the message is timeless, right? The Risala has no, his message is from now till Qiyam and that's it. All right, that's the door's it. closed. Like you guys, you're welcome. <laughs> there, go, just follow it, right? 
So what if someone was to say, okay, because, you know, we live in a time period where, subhanAllah, like you said, it's a lot of deviance, right? And, you know, the thing that we have that's a little different than the time of the companions, right, is luckily they had the Prophet there, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nobody had to, you, you can ask, okay, you ask Abu Bakr, you ask Umar radiallahu anhu, okay, hey, Uthman or Ibn Masood, you ask these guys radiallahu anhu. But if anything, if we need to settle any dispute, any really shubuhat or anything, we go to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Khalas, it's done. But now you have many different groups and people who, they, they say they're Muslimin, right? They, they claim the shahada, the kalima, okay, we accept you as Muslimin, but everybody says what they do is sunnah. So if someone was to tell you, well, everybody says they follow the sunnah, who, how do I know what to follow, what's actually sunnah, what's actually real, what's actually smoke in my face, like, what do I do? Alhamdulillah, um, you need to learn. You need to go <laughs> and figure it out yourself, right? Like, we've built this idea of one, so, so there, there, there'll always be a class of scholars that understand the Quran and the sunnah, and then there'll be a class of people that did not make time for it, and they were busy mm. with other things. Just like in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu not every single companion was a scholar. Not every single companion narrated a hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Not every single companion later on had students that came to him. So even from that class of people, if they were the there were certain people that they would turn to when it came to, you know what, we're having disputes. Like this is after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu We're having disputes. Who do we go to? Who has the knowledge to tell us this? So there's like this will always continue to where there'll be a class of scholars who are going to be able to tell you this is the actual sunnah. The problem in our time is we don't even have like the like we are at that first question that you said. Do you actually believe in this without knowing what this actually is? People like we've moved so far away from the idea of the sunnah from the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, from just having like a basic level understanding of Islam that anybody can come and tell us this is sunnah and we're going to follow it, right? Like, or we're going to be confused, like, is, is this really the sunnah? There has to be like this, as a society, we have to elevate ourselves when it comes to knowledge, right? We cannot be ignorant people. And I'm not saying get to the level of scholarship, but just get to that idea of, I actually, like how many people even know what a sunnah is? How many people know what a hadith is? And this, like from the Muslims themselves, they don't know the basic things. That's why it's very easy for somebody to come and tell you this is the sunnah, this is where it's reported. Like sweet talking with the things and you just, mm-hmm. you just sitting there confused. <laughs> like I heard something else the other day. Today I'm hearing this. What is happening? Okay. Yeah. You need to do something. You need to go and just learn basic level to be able to understand, okay, I can tell what is sunnah, what is not sunnah, what is right and what is wrong. That up to that level, it's an obligation on every single one of us to at least get to that level. And then I can say, you know what? When somebody comes and tells me this is the Quran and the Sunnah, how, like, you should have the tools to investigate is it really the Quran and the Sunnah? And they've, it's been made, well, like, very simple. Mm-hmm. In this time, very, very simple for you to understand what the Sunnah is. I don't think there is a time in which we have access to Islamic knowledge. Again, access to Islamic knowledge or Islamic information like we do today, like this has never happened in the Ummah. A time of this level of scholarship, right? Or this level of the ability to get the scholarship. But the problem now is no one is actually getting there. We have access to the information, like really not just Islamic knowledge, right? I can use, we're on, like, look at how you and I are talking together right now. 
This was not possible 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. This was not possible 15 years ago. Information now, how fast I'm able to just type it into Google and get like in so not just one language, right? Mm-hmm. I can write it in Arabic. I can like whatever language you want, put it in. Here you go. Here's all the information. Our problem is we haven't been given the tools on how to use this. So we just anyone can come to us and tell you this is Sunnah. They can sweet talk you, khalas, and you just like what is what is happening. So the answer, very simple answer, we need to learn, increase our level of knowledge to a standard to where we understand I can actually know when it's Sunnah and when it's not Sunnah. No, I definitely agree, Imam. That definitely that point is. I think that's the point of all points, really, for that mm-hmm. question and just for us as Muslims in general, right? Like the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam really made it. He, he said it's obligatory, like it's fard on every Muslim to seek knowledge, right? Now, of yeah. course, it's not, I think people think of knowledge as it has an end point, but knowledge is really an endless journey. You should just think, hey, from now until I die, this is just a part of my life and a process, you know? When we think, all right, uh, let me reach this point, this point, you'll never reach that point. And then the thing that's beautiful about knowledge, though, that Allah has done for us, once you taste the sweetness of learning, you continue and you want to keep going, you keep swimming and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, right? But nobody will ever know everything, right? Like this, it's impossible to know everything. You don't have that much time in a day, right? You sleep eight hours, maybe four, you know, if you're somebody who studies, you know. But you want to say something, Imam? No, I mean, Akhi, like, like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't know everything. Knowing everything is not something that is going to ever be given to a human being. Mm-hmm. And again, knowledge, like mm-hmm. they say, you know, it's it's an ocean with no, uh, no, like it's a river with no bank. It's just mm-hmm. forever. A ocean mm-hmm. that has, like, it doesn't end, right? Mm-hmm. I think, and, and, and this is the problem, right? We either look at this as one of two ways, as it's so big, I don't even need to worry about getting into it, let somebody else focus on it. So I don't even get to, like, like the top level. Just the top mm-hmm. layer, knowing how to just properly pray salah, knowing like what is the Quran, what what, what like what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to tell me? Knowing, do something like, simple then. Mm-hmm. Basic things. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to do it, right? So like this this idea needs to go to where it's like, you know what? Let me just jump in a little bit. Let me get my feet wet. Let me know that you know this is the basics. And if if I know the basics. Inshallah, this tiny knowledge that I have is going to make it easy for me to understand when something is according to the sunnah or when it's not. But an ignorant person, forever, this is how you're going to be. Now, Imam, let me ask you this now, right? Because we do have the knowledge available. We have the scholars, mashallah. But do you believe, and to what degree do you believe that uh, the ulama that we have of today play some compliance in people not actually learning this knowledge. You know, of course, people make decisions for themselves, right? But is there any compliance that the ulama face in this as well? Any part they share in, like, this being an issue of this, people not actually implementing the sunnah into their lives and basically basic Islam and things of that nature? So 100%. And I would even say, like, it's, it's, it's majority, major, like, the majority of the blame is on the scholarly class. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of and then again, like you have to think like we live in this age of, um, you know, like Hollywood has destroyed everything mm-hmm. where everyone wants to be Hollywood. It is not something like you're not going to become famous if everywhere you go, you're teaching people the fara'id of wudu, right? Mm-hmm. The shuruq of wudu. No one is going to come and listen to you. 
right? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is like the shuyukh that that are responsible for this, what they've ended up doing is like, you know what? We have to cater to their needs so that they could cater, to, they could come to us. But we haven't, like, you go to a, like a random masjid today, random masjid, you have people that are praying salah. This masjid, its responsibility, it is to uplift this community that is in, and then eventually the society that is in. You go there, you have people that are coming for 30 years praying salah. They don't know how to pray salah. The imam or the board, whoever they bring to go and talk to them, they are going to come. And again, like there's times for people need to be reminded their heart soft and other things to learn. But there needs to be like this work on you need to know the basics of your religion so that next time somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, this is actually from the Quran and the Sunnah, that you first like the worship itself, you have to worry about it because you're going to be asked, right? did you actually know how to properly make wudu? Did you know how to pray salah and so on? And then the other part is, like, do you know if you're actually following the Prophet ﷺ? Or is this like something that has just been invented and you just continue to go with it? Because you didn't know any better and you didn't say, let me learn and, and, and so on. So there's that blame from the scholarly class of not enough focus on the basics. The Prophet ﷺ, every time he sent somebody somewhere, he didn't tell them, go and remind them of Jannah, go and remind them of the seerah, and so on. He said, go and teach them la ilaha illallah. If they accept la ilaha illallah from you, go and teach them the salah. If they accept the salah from you, go and teach them the zakah, which is going to be wealth that is taken from their wealthy and given to the to the poor. Zakah today, today, mm-hmm. I think out of all of the pillars, this is the one that is the most misunderstood. People have no idea what it is, mm-hmm. right? People don't even understand that when you go and you, like, let's say an organization comes and, say, and says, we're zakat eligible, we're going to take your zakat. People don't understand when you give your zakat to these people, they are not taking your zakat. You still mm-hmm. have to, like, your zakat is, you've given it to a middleman. Unless they spend that money, you have not paid zakat. No one even knows, like, this is how it's supposed to be. Out of all of the pillars, this is the one that is the most neglected. And mm. nobody wants to talk about it. When when do you have a conference teaching the people about zakat? And if you did have it, if the scholars did offer this, how many people would actually go? Right? No, I want to... <laughs> That's what happens, right? Yeah. So the, like, there's the blame on the scholarly class for not, you know, really like teaching these basic things because the people will always need it. And then at the same time, the blame on the people. Like these, in, in, I know that in majority of communities, programs like this could be offered. But the people are not saying this is what we need, right? So mm-hmm. then the mashayikh, they're doing their things that they think the people want. And then the people are going to these things. And they just create this, you know, like you're going in this wheel of you're not actually going to where you're supposed to go. We're moving. There's a lot of movement, but there's no progress. But we're going in circles, not going anywhere. So we need to go back to that, like, you know, people need to know the basics. You know, Allah forgive us. I mean, I mean, you know, it just, it really makes me think like, subhanAllah, like really layering it, right? Like you have what is fard, of course, then you have sunnah, mustahab, and however the classification goes with the different madhahib, right? But it's like, subhanAllah, like we're t- discussing how to implement the sunnah, right? Not even like what's fard, the faraid, right? But the sunnah, but it's like, we don't even have the basics of any foundation to be able to build upon that to do that. And it's like, subhanAllah, like, where are we really going? What are we really doing? You know? SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. No, it's, 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 
we are in a very, very different time when it comes to how we view Islam and the way that we think we're going to get to success. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised us, he's going to give us victory. But there are conditions that have been made. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this ummah, the greatest ummah to come. But for us to claim that title, the condition of it has been given to us. Us, like we have to understand all of this is there. Today we're talking about implementing the sunnah. Like we can go on and on. This is a sunnah that you should do. This is a sunnah that you should do. This is this sunnah is not going to benefit the person that listens to it. And he's not, he doesn't know how to pray salah properly. He doesn't know how to make wudu properly. Like, okay, you have a million sunnahs. But you, you don't know how to pray salah. What is what is the sunnah going? You have a beard. Sunnah from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What are you... But you... you the, the, the words that come out from the beard that the face is on, you're a backbiter. You are someone that constantly lies. You, like, okay, khala, sunnah is on the outside, but this is the shortcomings that you have. It doesn't matter. Grow your sunnah, uh, grow your beard however long you want. Wear the clothes that you think resemble the sunnah the most. But your body hasn't even accepted hasn't gone through the doors of the fara'id properly, it becomes very difficult for you to implement the sunnah. And this is why, like we see the Muslims falling into what they fall into. Today, when we look at society, whatever ills that society is suffering from, we have the way to fix it. And we said, like really, a very simple way to fix the problems, it is for us to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Like this is the solution to all problems. You submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is going to give you the answers. We haven't established like that idea of we have to submit to Allah. Allah is our creator. Our entire way of living, our entire way of looking at things, our entire way of deciding right and wrong, it's not how I feel. It's not what society seems to be doing. It's not what everyone else is doing. It's what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala think of this? Or what, what has he told us about this? When I can, before I can accept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told me this thing is halal and this thing is haram, I have to first accept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And this is why there's always been this emphasis from the messengers that the people have to have tawheed. The people have to know la ilaha illallah. Once you submit, telling them everything else is going to become easy. So us, we've kind of like, again, we've, we've, we've moved away from that to thinking everyone has la ilaha illallah. There's two billion Muslims. The idea is we now, we now need to focus on the sunnah. And so all you it, need to do... Uh, no, continue, finish up, because you just brought up like, a very interesting point that I want to ask a question on. Okay, so, so like really all you need to do is 2 billion Muslims, how many of them are praying salah in the masjid? Here in the West, we could say, you know what? People have to go to work and so on. But why is Fajr and Isha still empty? And then you go to our Muslim lands, where in some countries, there's still like the adhan stops everything. And you can actually go and pray, but the masajid are still empty. Right? It's not because they, they're not following the sunnah. It's because that foundation of I need to submit to Allah and my whole life needs to revolve around my submission to Allah is not there. Once that is there, khalas. look, really look at living in America, the amounts of freedom that we have, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless it for us. I mean, I mean. We, like, we, I, I can walk around with my thobe, no one says anything to me. I can decide to pray anywhere, no one will say anything to me. For the most part, right? To, like we, if we wanted to, we could make adhan out loud, right in our masajids. If this is the level that we are at, why is it that we still we're not taking full advantage of it? Because we haven't understood the idea of I am submitting myself to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Everything that my life is going to be the way that um, He has instructed us to live. But if, go ahead. No, just to add to the point, back to about Sunnah and Farah, it is like 
It's almost like you're in class and you never do any of the actual assignments due and you always ask for extra credit. <laughs> like, hey, let me get some extra credit. And like, you didn't do any of the projects, none of the papers. But, you know, Imam, it brings to a question that is very, because, you know, we're coming to the close of the uh, 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 the interview. But the question I'll ask now, right, because you brought up this point. So the question is, for people who are already Muslim, right, they already believe they've accepted la ilaha illallah. So we already think we're upon Tawheed, right? You just, okay, you do like this, ashadu, and you repeat after, you know, right? But A, how can someone know if they're actually upon this Tawheed? And if not, how can we who have already accepted it, instead of being wishy-washy? Because, you know, a friend of mine that is the imam also, he said, in his opinion, you know, he said, people who are, are like, I'm going to generalize it because he said about a specific group, but in general, basically, i rather people who are clear but not upon, maybe let's say Islam, than people who are upon Islam but not clear, right? So the people who are, they follow something, but they're upon it like, yeah, this is what we follow 100%. Yeah, we don't believe or we don't do this, okay. Versus people who say they do it, but they're like 50% foot in, foot out. He said it's dangerous. So how can we get those people... Because let's say that's we're Muslimin already, right? How can we get those people to be upon Tawheed? And how does anybody know if they're upon Tawheed, really, right? So Alhamdulillah, um, there, there's there's always the you know that, that good hope that we have in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has blessed us with iman and and He's giving us the tawfiq, the ability to actually implement what we are supposed to do. Even if it's not perfect, even if my salah is not perfect, even if my, my 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 Quran is not perfect, my relationship with people are not perfect, at least there's this idea of I've submitted to Allah, I've submitted to the Messenger وسلم, in terms of following his sunnah and so on. And I see like some of those things, right? I see me, I, I, I'm implementing some of those things. I'm praying five times a day. Ramadan comes, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm fasting. But in between them, I, I notice that I have these shortcomings and the shortcomings are really of two types. You have a shortcoming that like no one is going to be free from where your Iman, we know as believers, it goes up and down. So at that time that my Iman goes down, I'm going to commit more sins. But when my Iman goes up because the Tawbah that I'm making from the sins, the Istighfar, the seek, you know, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me and so on, that's going to make my Iman climb. So being in this state, this is not like the issue. The issue is when like in your heart, you, with your tongue, you said, La ilaha illallah. But in your heart, like you, ha you don't feel comfortable fully submitting yet. You're not fully there that when you see like a ruling that is from the Quran and the Sunnah, and this is a ruling that is like, there's no ambiguity around it. There's no like, mm. oh, it's not clear. Like this thing is halal and this thing is halal. And you have this feeling of, I'm not comfortable with this. Or society is not comfortable with this. So I'm not comfortable with it. That's when you have to start asking is my la ilaha illallah, is it just lip service or is it coming from the heart, right? Because iman, iman, like you have two types of it. You have the iman that, that is like, I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have submitted to Allah. Mm -hmm. Then the iman that is based on the actions that we are doing. If this one is shaky, the one that's on the actions, meaning it goes up and down, this is the way that a believer is. But if the other one, the one that is inside of the heart of Allah has made something not the way that we should be living or not the way that we should be interacting. And I feel like, no, no, this is like, this is, this is better or this is, then we have to ask like, okay, this is it like really lip service. So if we don't have that, if we're not again, like wishy-washy, like you said, we're not 50 in and 50 out where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is like, I'm not even talking about things that, you know, the scholars have, like, let's say the beard. 
There are some that tell you it's wajib. There are some that tell you that it's sunnah. And these are not the things that we're talking about. We're talking mm-hmm. about things that like you have to know. You have to know from the religion without an excuse. For example, that I know that one day the sun is going to rise from the west. Is this like if, if somebody tells you like this is impossible and you f- feel in your heart that even though I've submitted to Allah, and I've accepted the report from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the verses that talk about it in the Quran, I believe that this is never going to happen. There's a problem here, right? So if we avoid that type of issues with things that Islam is very clear on, then we're not going to be part of those wishy-washy. How do we go from there to the point of, I no longer have that? Again, two things, learning, learning and increasing in good deeds. The more that a person learns about Allah, the more willing they're going to be to submit. The more they learn about the sunnah, the more they're going to be willing to follow. And this has to come through like, the learning cannot be one of, let me go and look up on YouTube and see what's there. Like the ways that the Prophet ﷺ used to teach the companions and the companions used to teach their students and so on up until we reach this day of ours. Those would be the two ways. So, you know, Imam, so me and you both collect some ajr, inshallah, please. Closing out, inshallah, may Allah accept. Please give us before you leave. You can you can be more than one if you're feeling generous and I want to collect barakah. But please give us one sunnah that you want to share on here that people who listen to this can implement from now forever, as long as this podcast is up. That one sunnah, just one. Actually, let me do two. Oh, inshallah, father. So one, first one, first one. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He said that it is sadaqah for you to meet your brother with a smiling face. So when you go and you meet a brother, smile at the brother. The second one, the Prophet ﷺ, he said from the signs of the Day of Judgment is that people will only begin giving salams to the people that they know and not to those that don't know. The Prophet ﷺ, whoever he greeted, he would give them salams. The companions, whenever they would pass by someone, you know if they were walking, like let's say they're walking two of them like this, a tree comes in the middle and they go this way, They'll come on the other side and they'll say salams to one another. Sure. So spreading salam, spreading salam. First advice of the Prophet ﷺ, when he entered Medina, he said to them, um, uh, like spread the peace from you know towards one another. So when you see a Muslim, when you see him in a gathering, or even someone that looks like close to being a Muslim, some of the things, go and give him salams, whether you know him or you don't know him, and smile at the face of them. These two sunnahs, inshallah. Um, there's so many that we could add, right? There's so many, but this just begin with these small ones, inshallah. I, I, I was about to say, if you want to add one more, <laughs> us, let's do one more. We'll go one sunnah, more. Us, let's do another sunnah of the Prophet is that every morning that he would wake up, he would worry about the condition of the believers. He says, Whoever wakes up in the morning and he's not concerned about the affairs of the Muslims, he's not from one of us. So a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that we actually like look into the status of the Muslims, not just here in America. And this means like when I go to the masjid now and I'm about to pray Maghrib, there's people that are there. I should have a concern for the people that I'm praying salah with. I should know like, okay, if someone is missing, why are they missing? Why are they not here? For me to know that, I actually have to know these people's names. Mm-hmm. I have to know who they are and so on. So we have to have this concern, not just for the people in my community, not just the people in my family, but the Muslims in America, the Muslims all over the world, 
the sunnah is that we have concern for them. We are worried about them. We're always looking up on them when in their time of need, we are supporting them and so on. But when we see our brothers and sisters today now suffering in Libya and in Morocco, we are going, like we are concerned. We feel as the Prophet ﷺ, he says, this ummah is like one body. If a part of it hurts, the other side, they can't sleep and they're having, you know, fevers and so on. So if the ummah is going through like so many different problems, the sunnah is that we care for them. We have concern for them, and we try to make a way out for them. So that is going to be the third sunnah. I know it's a little bit harder than the first two, but khalas <laughs> No, jazakallah. That was we. Those three, mashallah. We pray that people alike steps in. We ought to implement those. I'm gonna try and implement those in my life personally as well, inshallah. You know, so to you know wrap up. You know, I think that uh, the beautiful points we've seen today is that the human nature, the way Allah, the way Allah Subhanahu wa created human beings it's been the same, right? We're all the same, right? In our ways and our actions. Of course, mashallah, by his divine power that we he's made all of us unique, but we're still the same as well, right? And we shouldn't feel that we're too unique to say that we're better than that nature or we're above that nature, right? And with that being said, that means we're not above the influence and the power that the sunnah can have in transforming our lives to doing good in our societies, right? Especially as Muslims. We are the best of nations, right? Allah gave us this title, but like our Imam wonderfully said, it comes with conditions. It's not just, you just keep it and you just go, you know, that's the uh, nation before us thought the same thing and you've seen that fate that happened, right? And Allah also speaks about, hey, Allah says, Allah tells us clearly he, he, he can replace us, right? With the different yeah. people. And you know, may Allah allow us not to be replaced. But, you know, I think one thing we should definitely try and do is, like the Imam said, learn the basics of the Islam, you know, start by learning what is the faraid of this? Learn about who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I say I worship Allah. Okay, who is Ar-Rahman, right? Who is Ar-Rahim, right? Who is Al-Ghafur, right? Learn about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Okay, he was the Prophet. Okay, what happened after he left Mount Hira? Okay, Iqara. What happened after that? What what took place next? Learn about these things, you know? And then slowly, it's like we said, it's it's not something you you you. it's not a race, right? It's a part of your life because, wallahu alam, we never know. Right? Only Allah knows when we'll pass away, you know, but taking these steps sincerely towards making these changes can transform our lives for the better. You know, Imam, I wish we could talk longer, but we know you have to go. Jazakallah khair. Thank you very much. Next time you come, I'll try and let me practice my Oromo so then we can talk in Oromo. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. I'm trying to figure out how you even know what that is. We can talk in Oromo. Look at that. Aspire. MashaAllah. Very few people know what Oromos are. Now we're going to come on the podcast, mashallah. Oh, mashallah, mashallah. Allah bless you. It was wonderful I talking mean, to you. We'll accept it, mashallah. I mean, please, you guys check out the Remaster Podcast. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share with your friends. Revival Packet. Uh, many, many more things. Please check out Muslim American Society today. Great organization. Prophet wasallam encouraged us to be a part of a jama'ah, a group. Please be a part of a group which we can all later use to uh, build stronger communities and be one ummah strong. I'll see you guys later. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.